Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Please take your Bibles, go to 1 John chapter number 2, and our ushers will make their way through the congregation. If you did not receive a copy of this morning's notes, uh, this would be a help to you to follow along. Uh, here in 1 John chapter 2, if you're visiting with us, thank you so much. In the lobby right after the service, there's a desk called Guest Services. We would be um, uh, honored to give you a gift as our way of just saying thank you for taking the effort to be here this morning. Uh, thank you, men, for your help. Uh, if you're visiting with us, also, we, uh, we're doing an exposition of 1 John. That means we're going verse by verse line by line, and where necessary, word by word, to explain uh, this book of the Bible. It's a fascinating book, and I trust this morning, uh, this message will be an encouragement to everyone that is watching via live stream or here in the tremendous attendance that we have on this September Sunday morning. In the book Master Planning, Bobby Beale describes how 10-ton circus elephants are tethered uh, by tiny stakes in the ground. When the elephants are babies, they are staked down, and they may try 10,000 times to pull that stake out. And eventually, uh, they come to that point where the elephant memory takes over, and they know that they cannot pull out that stake. And so for the rest of their lives, in their mind, they are forever staked to the ground and they cannot get away from that stake. I think of that story, I'm fascinated by elephants. Literally, a circus elephant that is staked to the ground when he is fully grown could just merely lift his leg and he would jerk that stake out. But his mind says, you can't do it. Humans or sometimes just like elephants. God has built into every genuine believer a desire for a deeper fellowship with him, for power and effectiveness, for a victorious Christian life. But I want you to know this morning that there is an enemy called the evil one, Satan, Lucifer. He loves to plant mental, spiritual stakes in our minds that tell us that you can never be more than you are right now. And he loves to plant this seed thought in your mind. You will fail. You're a failure. But John, here in 1 John chapter 2, he's writing to encourage us to pull out those satanic stakes and to, and to live up to God's intention and to live a victorious Christian life. John wants us uh, to rid ourselves of those spiritual stakes that we know can be pulled out, but we're in prison with our own mind. This trifold repetition in this passage seems a, a bit odd as, as John here addresses the, the spiritual uh, stages of development. And so in 1 John chapter 2, verses 12, 13, and 14, I would like to read these three verses this morning. And may we open our heart and mind to the reading of God's word. Verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. 
As I write unto you fathers, because ye have known him, known him that is from the beginning, I write unto you young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one, I write unto you little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Father, please help me to only say words that you approve. May nothing in this message dishonor the name of Jesus Christ. But may each one of us, Father, through the working of your Holy Spirit, help us to be willing to pull out the spiritual stakes in our life that keep us from being effective. Father, may we leave here free this morning. Father, I ask the Holy Spirit would have permission to have complete control over the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name. Amen. In the passage of Scripture that we just read, there are three stages of spiritual development. He uses words like children and fathers and young men or teenagers. Um, uh, these stages have no relation to the physical age or sex of a person. A man who is 70 in the flesh may still be a spiritual baby. But a lady who's in her 30s could be a spiritually mature father. In other words, there's spiritual adults, spiritual teenagers, and spiritual children. Three stages here that are discussed. And we can see these, uh, uh, passage, uh, these stages discussed in other passages of Scripture as well. For example, in the parable of the sower, Jesus described three types of harvest. He said of the seed that fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some yielded a hundredfold, some yielded sixty, and some thirty. There are also three types of spiritual food mentioned in the Bible. Spiritual babies, the Bible says, feed on the milk of the word, just as infants need their mother's milk. Jesus spoke of the bread of life that feeds our souls. And we're also taught of that solid food or strong meat, uh, the deeper teachings of the word for those who are mature believers. So here's what I know. That every single one of us are at a different level in our spiritual growth. We must recognize that and give liberty to that this morning. We are not all on the same level. We are all progressing differently in our growth. We can see the stages of spiritual growth as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide faith, hope, Charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And why is that? New believers are, are concerned with, the, with their new faith. Those who are maturing or teenagers in their spiritual walk develop hope. But it is the maturity of the adults being full grown in the faith that they operate in a manner called love. And the order here in 1 John, it may seem confusing at first, but let's jump into that this morning and examine the three stages that John talks about. Here's stage one. He talks about spiritual children. Spiritual children. In verse 12 and 13, we read about that. He says, I write or I've written. The point is, the information we need to have intimate fellowship with God is in the written word of God. We don't find it in a novel. We don't find it in a magazine. We don't find it on a television show. And John introduces this first stage called spiritual children. Here's what I see. All believers, every believer are God's spiritual children. Children, every single believer, you are 
a child of God if you've trusted him as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, there are two different words for children in this passage of Scripture. We must realize that the, the Bible was not written in the English language. The New Testament in particular was written in Greek. In verse number 12, the Greek word technion is used, and it is a common word that's referred to a child. It could be literally translated birth ones. And this refers to all Christians. Before we can have fellowship with God, we must be born again. We must enter into the family. We must receive the gift. We must believe that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 and verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We are all God's children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Aren't you thankful this morning it's by Jesus that our spiritual birth occurs? It's not by something you do. It's not something you earn. It's because of the finished work of Jesus Christ we enter into a relationship with him. Now even though we're in different stages, we are all God's children. And some of you have adult children, but they are still your children even though physically they have grown to adulthood. We are all God's kids. Um, uh, the first memory of, uh, of salvation is that time when you accepted forgiveness of your sins. How many of you still remember the day you got saved? Can you raise your hand? I remember that sweet time when you bowed your head, you realized that the guilt of your sin was removed, and you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I remember at the age of 19, it was like a load of bricks that was lifted off of my back. I'll never forget that delicious joy of knowing that I could be free from the guilt and the penalty of sin. If you do not know that this morning, I beg you to trust Jesus today. John says that some of us are spiritual children, but he clarifies for us that all believers are God's spiritual children. Notice that some believers are spiritual infants. Now, all of us at the moment of salvation become a child of God. But John clarifies in this passage of Scripture, now some of you, though, you're just a spiritual infant. A different Greek word is used in this passage of Scripture in verse 12. The Greek word pedion means an immature child, a child under instruction. It can refer to infancy through preadolescence. Uh, technion refers to relationship, which means being in the family. Are you in the family this morning? Have you trusted Jesus Christ? That's relationship. But pedion refers to subordination, being under the training and discipline of the family. In the last day's newsletter, uh, Leonard Ravenhill, uh, he tells about a group of tourists that were visiting a, a picturesque village, and they walked by this old grizzled man sitting by the fence. It was beautiful surroundings, and in a patronizing way, one of the tourists asked, were any great men born in this village? And without missing a beat, the old man replied, nope, only babies. May I remind you this morning that all of us are born again as a babe in Christ. They have known, the Bible says, have come to know him, the father. The first expression of a child is the recognition of his mom or his dad or her mom or her dad. 
when my child were infants, and some of you have to go back and you can remember this, there was a competition between mom and dad. What was the competition? Who would say mom and dad first? Uh, and we could have creative imaginations. I think I heard him say dad, dad. Uh, no, that wasn't, that wasn't dada. And, but I remember, I, I, I remember uh, the joy of hearing my three children say dada, dada, dada. They recognized me. Well, they called mom, uh, mom dada too at first. I mean, they called, everybody was dada. But anyway, just to be able to say dada, it was a special feeling. May I just tell you how much more special it is when God the Father hears us say, Abba, Father. And we recognize him as our father. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit causes all of God's kids to know him. Galatians 4 and verse 6 says this. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, which is in heaven. And when you were an infant, it is perfectly appropriate as an infant to say, Dad, Dad, Mama, Mama, Dad, Dad, Mama. Perfect, we, we, we all agree with that? That is perfectly acceptable. But when you're 21 years of age and you're calling dad, dada, that's a tragedy. Oh, you laugh. But a Christian who has not matured beyond uh, just the ABCs of the faith is a tragedy too. I want to be personal as your pastor this morning. Please, don't treat Sunday morning just as a frivolous obligation that I do. And I've performed the ABCs of faith. When a child is born, he already has his arms and his eyes and his tongue and his nose and his ears. He doesn't get them later. Um, he has to learn how to use them. Last night we had the opportunity to see uh, our, our grandchildren for just a little while, and and uh, and they're in that uh, walking stage, uh, and they toddle around. But it doesn't take much for the twins to fall. In fact, uh, Brindley last night, as she came up to the edge of the of the rug in the living room, uh, you could see she had to navigate how high to lift her foot uh, just over that little rug. And guess what? She wasn't successful. And down she went. She got up, she smiled from ear to ear, stood back up and toddled across the, the rug and, and went on back onto the floor and fell again. But her, her sister, who is the same exact age, she just goes everywhere. She doesn't even look at the, the rug of the carpet. She's learned how to use her legs. And it's amazing how two girls could be born at the same time, and yet they're different stages of development. But they have an older sister. And Raven doesn't think a thing about it. She runs around and, and uh, hops over things, and she never falls. She doesn't even think anything about it. In fact, last night she was putting a basket over her head uh, and going, doing circles to see how long she could stand up before she fell down. We are all born with our arms and our tongues and our eyes, and we have to learn how to use them. May I say, if you've been saved for a while and you're still a baby... And you haven't learned how to use what God has given you, that's your fault. That's a weakness. That's not a good testimony. 
that hurts the name of Christ. You see, when you were born again, God gave you everything you needed to grow as a Christian. And all that he wants you to be is there for you to attain, to grab hold of, if you will but yet be willing to grow and put yourself out there. C.S. Lewis, he once wrote, You cannot go on being a good egg forever. Either you, must, either you hatch or you rot. You must either hatch or rot. We've seen that all believers are God's spiritual children, that some believers are more specifically spiritual infants. We had some folks who were baptized just two weeks ago. They're spiritual infants. I'm so excited when someone gets saved, especially these adults who are getting saved. They're spiritual infants. They, they may still say some bad words. They still may have to slide out to their truck and take a smoke break in between services. I don't know. They're spiritual infants. They're still growing. I, and that's okay. But if you've been coming to church five, seven, ten years and you still have to do that, that's a tragedy. You're rotting. So believers, may I just say, uh, believers have similar characteristics when comparing both the physical and the spiritual. Let me just try to, 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 to hone this down this morning. Um, first of all, uh, both physical and spiritual babies are needy. They're needy. They can't help themselves because they uh, themselves need so much help. Hebrews 5 and verse 12 is a parental rebuke for some Christians who should have grown in the Lord, but they remain babies. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. There are some who have been saved for years and they're still on milk. Shelley and I enjoyed our children uh, when they were babies, and it was actually thrilling when they started da-da, mama, those things. You can recognize that. But let me just tell you, we celebrated when they got out of diapers. <laughs> How many current moms could say, I can't wait till that happens? <laughs> We celebrated when they got out of diapers. And some of you have little ones that have to be fed during the night. And you say, I just want a night of sleep. Can they please grow up? And, uh, and you have to change their diapers and change their clothes constantly. And your babies are demanding your attention. Oh, you delight in them. But you're looking forward to the day when they're not so maintenance intensive. Secondly, both physical and spiritual babies are lazy. How dare you call my baby lazy? All right. What do babies do? They lay about the house and they cry whenever they want something. And this is understandable in a six-month-old, but it is not understandable in an 18-year-old. The third thing, characteristic I see about physical and spiritual babies, that they're rude. Oh, pastor, you're crossing the line now. You say my baby's lazy, now you're saying my baby is rude? Little ones are completely self-absorbed. They could care less about your feelings. All they care about is me, myself, myself, myself. They don't care if you're inconvenienced. They want their needs met, and they want them met now. Well, John here, he teaches us that uh, they, these characteristics are also spiritually. There are those spiritual babes in Christ who always Demand attention to themselves. Fourthly, both physical and spiritual babies are ignorant. Pastor Armstrong, my baby's rude. 
and lazy, and now you're saying ignorant? Most children are not unwise. They're merely ignorant. They have not learned how to use a fork and a spoon and how to drink out of a cup and how to clothe themselves and to take a bath. They're ignorant of those things. They have to be taught those things. And so it is with spiritual children. Um, they have not learned what they need to do, and they are ignorant concerning God's Word, and they don't want to learn how to apply God's Word to their life. Ephesians 5 and verse 13 says, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. The Bible clearly says what's going on. Fifth, both physical and spiritual babies, they need to learn. They need to learn. They need to be taught wrong from right, good from evil. They often do what they want to do even when they know that they are wrong. They're like the toddler who wants to touch a hot stove. Mom screams, no, stop, hot. And what do they do? They touch it anyway. And then they get a painful burn and they learn in that moment you cannot touch the oven. Spiritual children have to constantly be warned about the painful results of sin. But they often plunge in anyway. We say the word of God says don't do this. It will bring great ruin to your life. And we still try it anyway. Oh, we've looked at spiritual children. All believers are God's spiritual children. But some believers are more specifically described as spiritual infants. John teaches us that there's another stage um, uh, that, that we should uh, strive to attain. And that is stage number two is in the chronological order he addresses this as spiritual adults. Spiritual adults. Chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, we see that spiritual fathers have taken time. To walk with God. Speaking here, he's talking about men and women. In both verses 13 and 14, John says, Fathers are those who have known him, that is, from the beginning. Children have known the father, but fathers have known him from the beginning. The difference between a baby and an adult uh, Christian is, is time, and it is obedience, and adults have spiritually developed. Mature Christians have walked with God long enough that they consistently bring God to bear in their everyday living. A physical child is usually considered an adult somewhere between that 18 to 21 year range. Um, how long should it take a baby Christian to become an adult Christian? Hmm. Is there anything in the Word of God that teaches us about this? There is a precedent in Scripture that it should take five years for a new believer to become a mature believer. Somewhere around five years. Paul first came to Corinth. In 50 A.D., five years later, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2 and 3, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. If you've been saved for five years, you ought to be a mature, full-grown Christian, a father, a mother, as the Bible refers to. There should be evidences of your spiritual growth. And so what are some specific characteristics of a spiritual adult? First of all, spiritual adults reproduce. Spiritual adults reproduce. Being a man doesn't make you a father. Having children makes you a father. The first test for spiritual fatherhood is, is, do you have any spiritual children? Have you led any other people to faith in Jesus? Right now, listen, I, I'm talking to you right now. I'm going to ask you a question. Can you name one person you've led to Christ? Who comes to mind? Or do you have a quiver full? You've led so many people to the Lord that you can't even remember all of them. 
a spiritual adult reproduces. Many Christians, they come to church, they pray and maybe read their Bibles, but they're not mature because they're not spiritual parents. If you've not multiplied yourself, then you are not a mature Christian. Secondly, spiritual adults, they must instruct. They not only reproduce, but they must instruct. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 14, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. Parents constantly teach. They warn their kids when they're going astray. If you're a mature believer, you're giving God's counsel instead of the advice of the world. What kind of advice do you give? Is it what you've read at the magazine rack? What you've watched on television? What you've heard some commentators say on some subject? Do you say, this is what I think? Or do you say, God says in his word, and this is the basis for what I believe. Thirdly, spiritual adults, they model maturity. Spiritual adults, they model maturity. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Spiritual fathers or spiritual mothers or spiritual uh, Christians, they live an exemplary life. And someone might say, I don't follow people. Of course you do. The question is, who are you following? Every one of us, we follow someone. I'm so thankful to have a multi-generational church where there are spiritual adults and uh, uh, where they are great examples to follow in their faithfulness. Do other believers follow you for counsel or do they follow you for gossip? Fourthly, spiritual adults, they love. Spiritual adults, they love. Uh, in the introduction we compared faith hope and love with the three spiritual stages and as new believers we concentrate on faith and later on we develop hope for what God will do but the great mark of maturity is the person who loves we have some older men and women in our fellowship that so clearly exhibit this I look around and I see many fathers and mothers if you will serving here at our church I'm often humble while I'm doing my job as pastor. They are serving others. Do you know that spiritual adults are never satisfied? They want to continually to draw closer to the Lord. Is that evidenced in your life that you love the Lord so much that you want to be more like him? The work of Japanese painter Hakusei spanned many years before his death in 1849 at the age of 89. It was toward the end of his life, the artist dismissed as nothing all the work that he had done before the age of 50. Now, when I turned 50, my children thought I was an antique and I was old. This is a fascinating story. It was only after he reached 70 that he felt he was turning out anything worthy of note. On his deathbed, Hakusei lamented, if heaven had granted me five more years, I could have become a real painter. Spiritual adults never stop growing and maturing and trying to perfect their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Real adults are never satisfied. This morning we've looked at spiritual children 
that all believers are God's spiritual children. However, some believers are more specifically described as spiritual infants or babes. We have looked at the physical and characteristics between infants. God gave us uh, another description through the writings of John, and that is, is that they're spiritual adulthood. But there's a third stage that probably many here this morning would be in, and that is what we call spiritual adolescence. Spiritual adolescence. Spiritual adolescence, here's what I discovered from reading the Word of God in verse number 13, is that they understand the battle. The difficult time between childhood and adulthood is called adolescence or the terrible teenage years. Adolescence is all about breaking the ties of dependence from mom and dad and moving to an independent life. Spiritual teenagers that are moving away from the dependence on the flesh toward an independence in Christ. There's a significant difference there. John says this, Ye have overcome the wicked one. The chief characteristic of spiritual adolescence is being at war with the enemy. And spiritual babies, they don't know enough to fight Satan. Spiritual fathers, they've won these battles. And right now, the spiritual adolescents, they understand there is a spiritual fight. And they have to fight against temptation. And they must fight against sin. Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Spiritual adolescents, they don't blame people or circumstances, but they take their sin. They take their temptations. They take their struggles straight to Jesus. And they've learned to live in dependence upon the Father. They know that they cannot defeat Satan by their own will or their own strength, but they've had to learn to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, spiritual adolescents, they understand the battle. And notice a couple characteristics about spiritual adolescents. They also understand that they must abide in the word. Spiritual adolescents abide in the word. John wrote, I've written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. Putting the word to work in our lives enables us to defeat Satan. There's some that are struggling. How do I defeat Satan? You must have the word of God in your life. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In verse 11 it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. This is why our enemy fights Bible study. You cannot become a mature Christian without learning your Bible. Satan uses many methods to sidetrack us and divert us. Satan offers shortcuts to spiritual maturity. Satan tells us that we could pray for some supernatural gift to come and we would be given it instantly. And teenagers always looking for instant maturity or instant validation. And they think if they had this new type of clothing or that car, if they smoke or they rub or they chew or they drink or whatever, that they would be so mature. There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity in Christ. Jesus used the word to defeat Satan at his temptation. And every time that Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus would use these words, it is written. James 4 and verse number 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. An evangelist once said, When we are tempted, we should have a Bible study with the devil. Understand what he's saying? If when we're tempted to sin, we should get out our Bibles and have a Bible study with the devil. 
It's not enough to have a Bible. You must use it. The devil is not Dracula, and holding up the Bible in front of him doesn't scare him. Speaking the word of God scares the devil. Acts 19 records how an evil spirit attacked some Jewish uh, exorists uh, who thought that they could use the name of Jesus like some magic word. May I just say that's holy pocus, uh, hocus pocus. It doesn't work. The devil flees uh, not because of our power, but the devil flees because of the abiding power of the word of God. Jude verse 9 says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Now, I see several folks who are visiting. Thank you so much for visiting today. I don't know if you've ever been in a Baptist church. Maybe you've been checking us out, seeing what kind of church we are. Maybe you're an unbeliever and you've never been born again or become a Christian, you know what the Bible says? That you're dead in your trespasses and sins. But I'm so thankful this morning that Jesus has offered the free gift of salvation. And it's available to you today if you'll believe on him. If you're a believer, uh, you fall into one of these three stages. I ask you this morning, are you a spiritual baby? a spiritual adolescent, or in a spiritual adult. If you're a believer, you are one of those three. May I ask you again, are you a spiritual baby? Are you a spiritual adolescent? Or are you a spiritual adult? So as I think, what do I take from this message and from this study of these three uh, verses? If a healthy baby is cared for, it can't help but grow. A teenager with proper provision can't help but grow. Growth is automatic, both physically and spiritually, when we are healthy. Are you a healthy baby? Are you a healthy adolescent? Are you a healthy adult? Are you healthy this morning? So let me give you three steps that you can take from this message this morning as a believer. And no matter where you had to identify, baby, adolescent, or adult you will be able to take these three steps. Step here, step number one, you must eat. You must eat. Well, I got that one covered, Pastor Armstrong. I love to eat. Here's what I mean. I mean you must feed on the Word of God. There is no other way to grow apart from eating of the Word of God. You must get into the Word of God. Step number two is you must entrust. You must entrust. You must Rest in Jesus. You must learn to rely on his strength and not your strength. And that means that I've got to talk to him. I've got to, I've got to uh, have a friendship with him. I've got to learn to live in an unrelenting dependence on him. Instead of always doing it my way, I must entrust my will to my Savior. Step three, okay, it's a word that we're not going to like. I had to have an E word here, okay? We must exercise. We must eat. We must entrust, but we also must exercise. What is exercise? Exercise is obeying God. Get busy. You've got to get busy. You've got to get engaged. Take on a ministry. Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's grow. Let's not sit. They say that, the, that, that, that sitting is the new smoking. 
That's what, that's what doctors say is that sitting is the new smoking. We sit too much physically. And I'm saying that we're sitting too much spiritually. It's time to get up and exercise spiritually. Um, I read about the Chinese bamboo tree. I've actually seen this in China personally. It doesn't seem to grow at all for the first four years after it's planted. Like, why did I plant this plant? It doesn't do anything for four years. During a 60-day period in its fifth year, a Chinese bamboo tree will shoot up 90 feet. Church, it's time to grow. It's time to grow. The elephant is tricked into believing that a little tiny stake in the ground prevents him who may weigh 16,000 pounds that little stake, because of the trap in his mind, prevents him from being an elephant and roaming around in the circus. May I just say that even as an elephant is tricked by a little stake in the ground, the devil has tricked too many Christians by staking them to the ground. The devil has influenced you to believe that you cannot do anything for Christ. May I just tell you this morning, remove the stake. Get rid of the stake. It's time to pull the stake out of the crown. It's time that all of us, we eat, we entrust, and we exercise. Whether you're a spiritual baby, you still have to grow. Whether you're a spiritual adolescent, learning how to go through those battles, or you're in a spiritual adult, all of us are in one of those stages. Let's pull out the stake and let's go. Let's go. Let's quit being sedentary. Let's quit sitting down. Let's get busy. Can we do that?